Reject Nation, we are back for a very special Koi's Comic Corner. This is the first that immediately follows a movie because we are going to talk about those post credit scenes. But before we do that, please leave a like, subscribe, hit that bell, do all the YouTube things, and also leave that app and follow me on TikTok. I'm going to do a lot of these on TikTok as well. 15 seconds, one minute, three minutes, all sorts of things. And on Saturday, we are going to be doing a full length spoiler talk. So what we're going to talk about today are those two post credit scenes. We're going to talk about how they set up phase five how they set up Thor 5, what they mean for the future of Marvel in general, then we're going to give some comic recommendations on those very characters, and what that means for the greater MCU as a whole. These were two of my favorite post-credit scenes in Phase 4. Sometimes it feels like a post-credit scene is there because they're popular. Sometimes it feels like Marvel's like, oh, we've got to do a post-credit scene. These didn't feel like that. These felt intentional. These felt like they were set up in the script. These felt like they weren't just a gimmick. They were something special as well as a connecting tissue to the future of the MCU. MCU, which to me is what a post-credit scene should be. I enjoy Captain America sitting down and being cheeky at me staying here, but I'd prefer Hercules getting a debut. I love when new characters are introduced. We had a new character introduced in the last five minutes of this movie that I think is very important for the Young Avengers, but that's another video. I'm going to talk about that and how this all ties into the future of Guardians and everything else. So the first post-credit scene, we got Zeus, who is clearly not dead, as we thought he was dead. I really kind of enjoyed that because this is a movie about how all gods must die and not even Zeus dies because he's a god. It's hard to kill a god. I don't know if that means we get more Russell Crowe. I personally enjoyed the preposterous Greek accent. I personally enjoyed how verbal boasts and arrogant the gods were because remember that's how we met Thor this all tied back into the arrogance of Thor and his walkabout into becoming more human more tame and I think that's going to be the conflict with this new arc now we've got Hercules who effectively is like our first introduction to Thor and that's kind of the purpose he serves in the comics but Zeus is going to be the arrogant god who often sticks his dick in places he shouldn't that's kind of his thing if you read Greek myths a lot of the Greek myths are because Zeus messes up Zeus's arrogance hurts man Zeus's belief in himself and his overall opinion of everyone else's lesser is the arrogance of gods personified in one man. And that beautifully translates to Hercules. So we thought Zeus was dead, wasn't. We then pan over to Hercules and we get one of my favorite character reveals because at this point I'd accepted that we weren't getting Hercules. At this point, the movie's over. Zeus has been low on people's wish list, but Hercules has been high up on the Marvel wish list for quite some time. Personally, the character I've always seen is like, oh, Thor's busy, or this is a great way to show the dichotomy of what Thor was to what he's become. I've always liked Hercules for the fun language and the arrogance and the perspective, but he's never been one of my must-haves, but the internet has been lobbying for Hercules for quite some time, so I was like lukewarm to neutral until I saw it was Brett Goldstein. If you haven't watched Ted Lasso, stop this video right now. Get Apple Plus, watch Ted Lasso, come back. It's YouTube. I'll be right here. Ted Lasso is one of the greatest shows in the history of television. Not to be hyperbolic, it changed my life. In that show, Roy Kent is my favorite character. The show is a beautiful way to show the different ways masculinity works and doesn't, and it beautifully summarizes what it means to be emotional and available and therapy, and I could do a whole video about Ted Lasso, but that's not what this is. Roy Kent is a very hyper-masculine man with sensitivity that he doesn't let show. He's a very gruff, harsh, honest man. That's perfect for Hercules. Hercules doesn't need to hide anything. He's going to tell you exactly how he feels, just like another. He's got a lot of those things you want. Gruff, he's problematic. He's a guy you want to have a lot of flagons of beer with. He's basically Thor before he learns humility, and I think that's how they're going to utilize him. We're going to see Hercules 
in the world of Midgard, and we're gonna see how Thor handles that now as a father. We're gonna see a more and more mature Thor, not only because he's gone in these multiple walkabouts, but we're gonna see him, I think in a very key way, dealing with the Young Avengers. I think, honestly, Thor is gonna be our father figure with the Young Avengers, which can be very playful and fun. It's no coincidence Taika Waititi, as a dad, has made a Thor dad movie. I think that's gonna directly impact how Thor is perceived going forward. And then we have the arrogant god Hercules handling our dichotomy between the two. And I think, personally, Hercules is gonna start out as a hero that's fighting our hero, realize that Thor is a hero, become on his side, and then we're going to meet Ares. I think Ares is going to be our big villain for Thor 5, where this was Thor saving gods, it's going to be Thor fighting gods. I think it's going to be Thor defending Midgard from the gods. In the comic books, often Hercules is a character that basically takes the role of Thor when Thor's punished. There are times that Thor's been depowered and Hercules takes his spot. I can see them playing with that a little bit where it's like he's being judged by the gods and Hercules comes in and then I think that leads to Ares. One of my favorite stories with Hercules is actually him fighting Hulk and the commentary of why is Hercules Hercules revered as a god, whereas Hulk is seen as a brooding monster. So Hercules has all the strength, stamina, agility, and insanity of a god, but he's revered. He's admired. He's all the things that Hulk isn't, and there's no real difference. He's a guy that's messy. He's the guy that breaks things. He's the guy that loves a drink. He's a guy that has reckless abandon, much like Hulk, but since he's a god, he's revered, and I think that's gonna be a really fun commentary if they go that way going forward. But that all being said, I think the big villain of whatever we get for Thor 5 is gonna be Ares. He's literally the god of war. He's a god that's going to come down, I think, and start shit with Thor. Thor and Hercules are going to have to team up to take out Ares because he's so powerful. I think that's the move for Thor 5, and I think that's the move maybe even setting up more Young Avengers things, but again, that's another video. All right, that'll do it for the first post credit scene. What did you guys think about it? Let me know in the comments. Were you as excited as I was to see Brett Goldstein? And remember, at the end, I'm going to give you some comic recommendations for Hercules. Let's get into the second one. So, the second post credit scene is Valkyrie in Valhalla and meeting up with Heimdall again. I don't know if your audience was the same as mine, but every lost their mind seeing Heimdall. Idris Elba is Idris Elba. You always want him there. Personally, I thought he was underutilized in the other films. Great to see him back. I'd love to see more of them. Now, we are in Valhalla, which is the afterlife for the Asgardians. If you're a warrior and you die in battle, you've earned your place in Valhalla. There's a great joke early in the movie where Lady Sif loses an arm and her arm might be in Valhalla, but she didn't actually die in battle, so she wasn't going to make it. So there are clearly rules for Valhalla, but we've obviously lost Jane Foster and the mighty Thor in battle. She's earned her place battling cancer, battling the battle we experience with gore, all of those things, and it's a beautiful metaphor for being worthy, and she's always been worthy. Seeing her inclusion in Valhalla was a big emotional moment that I really enjoyed. Valhalla itself is a holy place in the comic books. You don't see it that often, but they usually use it as a mix of jest with Thor, like drinking in Valhalla, as well as meeting up with characters we've lost in the past that are worthy. What I think is interesting is we just had the Field of Reeds in Moon Knight. We have Valhalla now as another afterlife. There are other versions of the afterlife they've teased in the MCU, and we have all of the stuff of the Eternals, along with Miss Marvel with the Jinn, all of these different mythologies, what that means for the greater phase four and what that means for afterlifes and gods. You know, these directors talk. It's not a coincidence. We got Field of Reeds and Valhalla. I think these are important. Don't know what they're doing with them yet. That said, I do think Valkyrie being in Valhalla means we might get more Natalie Portman. In the comic books, when she's not Mighty Thor, she becomes the Valkyrie. The Valkyrie is the ruler of the dead. She actually handles the journey like in some myths with uh, the boatman and the river sticks. She's the one that makes sure 
sure you get to the afterlife. She's the one that ensures your body or your, your spirit, your corporal, whatever makes its way to the afterlife. So it's a very important character and all of the other Valkyries die. And that's already happened in Thor Ragnarok. We've already seen the other Valkyries are gone. I think it'd be really interesting if we had King Valkyrie running new Asgard and then we've got her doing the Asgardian duties of the Valkyrie and she's got a really cool costume. I'm gonna give you some comic recs because it is a very beautiful way to evolve the character. It's a great way to move her from Thor into Valkyrie. It's also a great way for Natalie Portman not to have to sign a contract or not. It's a great way for her character to continue if the script is good, but not tired to 10 movies. We could get her back or we could not. And I think the same is true with Heimdall. He thanks her for watching over her, uh, his son, Axel. He very specifically has been watching. From the beginning, he was guarding the Bifrost. From the beginning, his eyes see everything. You could bring back him watching from Valhalla. We could use Idris Elba as Heimdall guarding over Midgard. We could also tie potentially Axel into the Young Avengers, having some of Heimdall's powers. So this post-credit scene sets up potentially another Young Avenger, maybe, sets up Idris Elba and Natalie Portman potentially coming back in new capacities, and it gives us potentially a new hero in Valkyrie, brand new costume, brand new character, brand new ways to use the powerhouse that is Natalie Portman that I think with the chemistry of Thor has finally endeared people to Jane Foster. I think we can all agree we love this take on Jane Foster, and I think it's a really good potential to see her come back as Valkyrie if that's what we so choose. Both post-credit scenes set up a lot of possibilities, which is again what I always want from a post-credit scene. Let's talk about some comic recs. Comic recommendations for Hercules. Hercules, I would recommend Avengers Disassembled. There's a lot of really fun stuff with a drunk, disheveled Hercules. That's the era they tend to be pulling some of these more modern comics from. He's been around since the 60s. I don't know if they're going to go like, you know, Kirby era, fun, wacky hijinks, but if they go more modern, I would recommend Avengers Disassembled. I also think the name Avengers Disassembled may come into play. I can see it on a poster already. But then we've also got the She-Hulk lawsuit storyline. That is the one I hinted at earlier. It's only one issue. It is She-Hulk number nine from the Dan Slot run. Not that long ago, also 2010s. What's fun about it is someone sues Hercules for basically destroying stuff and you get to see basically Thor-esque character dealing with petty human lawsuits while also trying to get back to work. That's how I think they might bring him into She-Hulk. Civil War is the Civil War storyline that was the basis for the movie we got a few years ago, the Captain America movie. What I love about him in the Civil War storyline is, bear with me, it's comic books, Thor is not in it, but an android that is Thor that someone made people think is Thor is acting as Thor in the Avengers. Thor is trapped between worlds at the time, so there's this basically android wreaking havoc, and Hercules is aware that that's not the real Thor, and he splits him in half and yells out, thou art not Thor, and it's such a badass moment, and it really establishes the strength of Hercules, what his tone is, that whole thing. And finally, Smash of the Titans is a one-shot between Hulk and Hercules, and it basically sets up that, like, why is the morality of Hulk different than a god? What is that duality? It's a modern story. Again, it's one shot, so you can just pick it up and understand the character a bit. As far as Valkyrie, three recommendations for you guys. Jane Foster Valkyrie was a title from 2020, I do believe. It is a beautiful story, just a miniseries about dealing with her moving bodies from the afterlife. It deals with her being a doctor when she's a human and someone that's dealing with the dead when she's a god. It's a really cool, interesting commentary on mortality. The other one I'd recommend is The Mighty Valkyrie, which is written by Jason Aaron, who wrote this character as the Mighty Thor for the first time. He also wrote God Bomb and a lot of the comics that this movie was based on. He really knows this character, but especially the art in this title. Loki has never looked cooler. It's this really beautiful painted style of art that is absolutely stunning. Highly recommend that as well. And then the Mighty Thor stuff that this movie is based on does tie directly into where Valkyrie goes. That is going to do it. And I got to say, I especially appreciate you guys in the comments saying you picked up comic books because of Koi's Comic Corner. You can't tell by the name. Comics are important to me. That was the goal of this. Reaching all million of you rejects and reject nation even 1% of you picks up books. It keeps comics alive, which keeps me 
alive, which I appreciate. Thank you for watching. Hopefully you enjoyed both those post credit scenes as much as I did. Leave a comment below. Which one is your favorite? What do you think it sets up? How was I entirely wrong? Maybe I was right. See you next time. Thanks, guys.